0: And the third thing that I, uh, that, that I really uh, adopted uh, that I think that is very, very important, regardless of what career aspect that you do, is to treat everybody with dignity and respect. It costs nothing, nothing to be kind to everyone, and I promise you that if you just go through life treating everybody with dignity and respect and taking the high road because it's a lot less traveled, uh, that not only will you be a lot more happier, but but you and the folks around you are going to be a lot more successful.
1: Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast. My name is John Miles, a former combat veteran and multi-industry CEO who turned entrepreneur, and human performance expert each week we showcase an inspirational person or message that helps you unlock your hidden potential and unleash your creativity and leadership abilities thank you for joining us today on the show and let's get igniting thank you for joining me today on the passion struck podcast retired navy seal admiral bill mcraven once said it matters not your gender your ethic." your religious background, your orientation, or your social status. Our struggles in this world are similar, and the lessons to overcome those struggles and to move forward changing ourselves and changing the world around us will apply equally to all. I couldn't have said it better, that your ability to change yourself and change the world around you starts within, regardless of your background, education, orientation, whatever it may be, we all have the innate power to live a purpose driven life. And today I want to introduce our guest for the show, Master Chief Tuck Williams. He is a long term friend and mentor of mine from many, many years ago when we both served in the United States Navy. And I was able to accompany him on two deployments, one on the aircraft carrier the USS Saratoga and another on the guided missile destroyer, the USS Kidd, where he and I both participated in the Bosnian conflict and other things that were happening um, in that time. And you will hear so much wisdom from Tuck today as he shares his secrets of success as he rose through all the ranks to becoming a Force Command Master Chief. I'm so thrilled to have him here today and believe you are gonna learn so much from his words of wisdom. I am so excited to have Master Chief Tuck Williams, my long-term friend, today on the show. Thank you so much for Tuck for joining us today.
0: Hey, doing great, John. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Tuck, during your intro, I labeled a ton of ships that you've been on over the years. And I just wanted the audience to get an understanding of how many days at sea did that equate to?
0: I think I was uh, a little bit over 12 years at sea when it was all said and done. Out of a 30-year wow. career.
1: Man, that is a ton of time at sea, especially for someone whose background wasn't in the surface warfare community. What an amazing ride you had.
0: You know, John, I really uh, I, I really love going to sea. And I, I'll tell you, even, you know, you miss the people when you retire. I've been retired about two years now. Uh, you do miss the people. Uh, but I tell you, the one thing that I really do miss is, is the ability to go to sea. There's something about... Being out there on a, on a ship, and a lot of times when the wind's not blowing, it looks like you're just sailing along on, on just like a smooth glass, and you can set out there on the fantail or the foc'sle, and the dolphins will be swimming along beside the ship, and it's just one of the most peaceful times I've ever had in my life.
1: Thank you for that background, Tuck. My time at sea was nowhere near as long as yours was, but I remember some of my favorite times ever have been sitting out on the deck of a ship where it's so tranquil, and you're just out there watching the sunsets and sunrises with nothing around you. And it is so beautiful. But not every day is like that. And I wanted to remind you of a certain situation when we were both on the USS Kid, and it happened to be Thanksgiving, and the ship was doing a turkey trot. And Although it was a fun event, a destroyer is not that large a ship when it comes down to it. And so running a 5K on a destroyer takes a number of laps. And I remember as we were in the middle of that race, we were the guide ship for airstrikes going into Yugoslavia. And I remember we're there celebrating Thanksgiving, enjoying the moment of doing this turkey trot when all of a sudden a huge Allied air raid went right overhead with, with, Must have been 30, 40 aircraft just going above us by maybe 50 feet. And I remember that day like it was yesterday because you took that tranquil moment and all of a sudden you realized you were in the middle of a conflict. You were in the middle of a war. And I wanted to see if you remembered that moment at all.
0: John, I do remember it was like it was yesterday. In fact, I think if I dug in some pictures, I've got pictures of uh, of running in that turkey trot uh, going around through there. It's kind of, a, yeah, it's amazing when you're out there and you've got real-world events going on, the things that you try to do to still improve the morale and still fitness and stuff like that when, uh, when time and mission allows. But no, I remember it just like it was yesterday, the same as you, like – You know, it's amazing that we're able to come out here and do this and get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving and yet all the same time we got all this going on around us.
1: So, Tuck, I didn't want to spend all our time talking about our turkey trot. What I wanted to do was introduce you to the Passion Struck podcast because you are actually the first interview I will have done for the show. And, And what I am trying to do is to create an environment for all the underdogs who are out there, those who feel broken Board, that they don't have what it takes to reach the next level. And I want to give them the wisdom and tools from both interviews and my personal episodes on how they can unlock their hidden potential and live that passion-driven life that they have always wanted to live. So I wanted you to explain the context for our listeners. You are part of the Naval Information Warfare community. And when we were both there, it was called the Naval Security Group Command. Can you tell the listeners what exactly it means to be in the information warfare area?
0: Well, what information warfare does is we deal with uh, with different types of uh, intelligence gathering uh, and we're reporting, and we look to safeguard uh, the measures and the policies of the United States. Uh, that's kind of uh, that's kind of our our background. We've been around a long time. A friend of mine just wrote a. Wrote a book uh, called Matt Zulu. Uh, his name's Matt Zulu. It's called On the Roof Gang. And it talks about the, uh, the founding of the ComNav the, the set groove community. And it specifically talks about Harry Kidder and how he was the one who taught himself uh, the Japanese code prior to World War Two of how to break the uh, the Japanese code. And then, uh, therefore, the they was able to develop intel resources and was able to tell that the Japanese was going to attack the the, uh, the island of Midway, which ended up being the turning part of, uh, of World War II. And that's kind of where the history where we come from.
1: I realize that there have been tremendous changes since the time you and I were together back in Road to Spain, such as an initiative that I started, which was the creation of the Information Warfare Expeditionary Commands. And if you remember at that time, I stood that up with Naval Special Warfare Unit 10. And now I understand that that is a complete discipline within the Information Warfare Group. But a lot more than that has changed. But with all that change that was going on around us at that time, one of the things that I always saw in you is that no matter what was happening, no matter what ship we were on, if we were back in the command, you always showed up. And I was recently having a conversation at lunch with a friend and mentor of mine, Steve Allen, where this topic of showing up came up again. And I've recorded a whole episode, which will be airing in just a few weeks on this topic of showing up. But one of the things that I saw in you, as I stated before, was your innate ability to show up every single time I was around you. And I wanted you to tell our listeners why it is so important to show up and why you think people are doing it less and less.
0: I have, when I, uh, when I retired, I kind of, uh, I, I taught for about a year and a half till I had my grandson. Uh, so, you know, I was very familiar with, uh, I taught in a Title I school, which is an underprivileged school. Uh, I was able to spend some time with a lot of youth and everything. And, you know, kind of like your motto, Passion Struck, what I tried to do was sit there and say, okay, hey, how do you motivate these kids who are coming from various backgrounds and get them to want to be something better than what they think uh, that is on the horizon for them? Uh, let them know that, that, you know, opportunity is out there. You've just got to somehow to personally develop uh, that relentless drive in order to get after that opportunity and make sure that, that nothing or nobody slows you down and, and provide a better opportunity for you and your family than what, than what you had growing up.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Tuck. And I wanted to talk to you about this phenomenon that's going on you know, right now that we live in in this all-digital future. With the advent of social media, so much of us are now focused on what appears to be urgent instead of focusing on what is most important for us to be doing. And it's those things that are urgent that get so in the way of us doing the things that really could make a difference. And I wanted to see, as you were in the Navy and now, as you've gotten out, what are you seeing along these lines? And it, was it something that you had to take action with, with those who were under your command?
0: Yeah, I concur with your assessment. I think uh, in, in 2020, there's too much of, hey, give me the instant gratification. Uh, vice sit there and say, OK, let me write down short term, mid-term, and long term goals and let me let me let me get after it, get after it that way. A lot of it was social media. Everybody just kind of puts your business out there and you really don't think about the repercussions that come later. Now, as far as for a military perspective, when I talk about. Social media or or various uh, various platforms. I was very very cautious in telling uh, telling telling sailors or any menu that I had a had a chance to speak to be be real cautious with it. Social media can be a, is a great platform to get good information out of there, uh, but once you hit send, it's out there. Uh, there's there's no withdrawing it back. That's not here, and and if you're a military member, then you get held to a little bit higher standard than what a civilian does. So you got to be real careful about about what you're what you're putting out there. Uh, another bit of advice that I gave is I said I tried to never ever have a disagreement. Uh, Via email or on social media or anything along along that nature, when I was on active duty, I said, "Pick up the, take the time, pick up the phone, uh, go have a conversation with somebody." Yeah, you know what? If you can do it in person, do it in person because a lot of times when you when you write an email or you do it in on social media, you know the communication or your intent gets gets misunderstood and it leads to a lot more disagreement than uh than what you was actually intended. Uh, the consequences to be.
1: Tough. I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And I have to admit, there are times in my career where I let my emotions get the best of me. And I would put them in emails or other electronic forms, which is the absolute worst thing you can do. Because when you communicate in those mechanisms and forms of communication, the receiver has no idea of being able to realize your intent, how you're really trying to come across. Are you Being empathetic? Are you being sincere? Are you being angry? So they just see the words as black and white. And I think that causes a ton of issues with our ability to dialogue with people instead of just talking to them or picking up the phone, which it seems no one wants to do anymore. And so I tell people all the time with social media if you don't agree with something, you don't have to comment, just scroll on by and ignore it. You don't have to add the chaos that's already out there
0: you know and that's spot on john i tell people all the time hey passion is good you, you need to have passion about whatever you're pursuing whatever you're trying to get after this and that the minute you bring emotion into into a, a conversation or definitely any conflict then, then you're going to lose uh you, you're just you're just going to lose uh, with social media i tell people all the time you know what if you see something on there that you don't agree with cost you nothing to go ahead and just scroll on by it not even make a comment
1: that is so funny you just brought that up. I recently wrote a book called Passion Struck, and I have a portion of it in an ebook form called The Passion Struck Framework on the website that the listeners can go and download. But in it, I talk about this whole concept about the fact that you can't have both emotion and progress. And let me give you a good example of that. So, this is like when you go to the gym and you start working out and you feel tired which is an emotion. And in your mind, you say, I want to do 10 reps, but you let the emotion of how you feel take over and you might only do five or six. And that's the same thing that happens to us in life. We let the emotion get in the way of progress, which would have been doing all 10 reps and battling through. The important message here is if you let emotions take over, they will stop you in your tracks and they will halt the momentum journey that you were on.
0: It's a great analogy. I mean, I'm sure like you, like me, there's many days that I've woken up that I didn't want to work out. Uh, but then you just kind of put your head down and, you know, you just barrel through it, whether it's a run, whether it's a swim or whatever. And then after you get done, you always feel a lot better about getting it, getting accomplished. But the easy way out would be the emotion. Be like, all right, you know what? I think I'm just going to take a day off. And most of the time, if you take a day off, you'll take two days off. You take three days off. Then the next thing, you know, you're not, you're not fit to fight.
1: Exactly. Well, on that line thank you very much for your long service. It is not easy to do 25 years in any profession, but especially the military. And I imagine along those 25 years, there were many times that you could have lost your passion for what you were doing. And so I think it is so valuable for our listeners of the podcast today for you to talk about what were some of those tricks that you used? What were some of those ways that you kept your passion and what advice would you give the listeners today on how they could keep theirs? I,
0: I think early on that I had some really good uh, uh, mentors and leaders that I was uh, really, uh, you know, lucky enough, I guess, to, to stop all engines and pause and listen to and, and sit there. And, you know, they, they try they turned me into a person that was, you know, really unfocused into a person that was goal oriented. Um, you know, I remember. You know, when I got to my first command, um, I graduated. I'd never been really out of the state of Kentucky. Maybe over to Illinois or below the border to Tennessee once, but I'd never be, really been out of the state of state of Kentucky. And uh, when I went in, I got to boot camp in Orlando, Florida. So I went down there, and then I had uh, tech school in Pensacola. Next thing I know, I'm getting orders, and uh, and they're sending me to Masawa, Japan. And John, I'm telling you what, I was a I was a 19-year-old kid, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness gracious!" And I remember getting over to Masawa, Japan. It was in January of 1990, and I step off a plane, and there was snow above my waist. And I remember saying to myself, "Oh good lord, what did I get myself into?" Uh, but I was very, very lucky. Uh, there was a there was a there was a man named Jerry Cantwell at the airport. He was my sponsor, and he took me under his wing. And not only did he tell me, say, hey, look, I'm going to be your roommate and I'm going to be your sponsor and I'm going to train you how to do your job. Uh, And then from there, I met other people and it really just positively shaped my career that anywhere that I ever left from Masala Japan, uh, anytime that we had new sailors reporting on board, I took that very seriously because I I know that that very first tour was what really, really kind of shaped me and changed me from uh, from being kind of really unfocused to focused to say, hey, you know what, I really love being a sailor. And if I'm going to do it, then let me just get after it and try to be the best sailor that I can be. Yeah. So
1: at that point, what were some of the habits, values, activities that you started to put into your life, Dr that became ingrained in you and something that you used throughout your career. I think this would be something that our listeners find so valuable.
0: I was a person that, you know, like I said, I I changed myself to a goal-oriented person. Uh, you know, I, I developed short-term goals, and, uh, and I learned a long time ago that if I don't write them down, I don't achieve them. Uh, so, you know, I kept the book, said, okay, hey, what's my short term goals? Guess what? My next advancement test is coming up in March or whatever. i want to be ready to take my advancement test. Hey, I've got a physical fitness test coming up here. If I don't stay fit to fight, I'm not going to be allowed to, uh, to stay, stay in the Navy. Hey, I need to kind of, you know, as I go from, um as I go from an apprentice to a journeyman, I need to start not only working on my technical skills, but I also need to start working on my leadership skills. So I need to look around the command and say, all right, hey, what are some of the attributes of the people that I'm working with that I want to take on board? And when I become in charge or a leader, that I want to sit here and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to do that right there. And then when I made chief petty officer um, in 1999, uh, I really just kind of changed a little bit and said, hey, look, how do I simplify
1: According to a recent survey, saying Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit. To get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash Passionstruck, just go to Indeed.com slash Passionstruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/slash Passionstruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now back to passion struck.
0: You know my message, and what do I want to get after? Uh, and uh, because when I made chief, uh, it, I kind of developed a situation to where uh, it wasn't about me anymore. Uh, you know, then you go from a from a from a technician you're still a technician you're responsible for it but you're also more of a leadership that you have a lot of responsibility for people and equipment uh so i developed what what i guess i call for filler fear of failure for lack of better uh better terminology and said you know what hey look it's it's not about tuck williams anymore uh you know i've if I've got a division of 30 people, uh, that's 60 parents who entrust trust me with the lives of their, their sons and daughters. And I need to make dang sure uh, that they're trained to do their job. Uh, they're prepared to go to war if necessarily. And if we have a casualty, what is the best and safe way that I can do? So that's kind of how I just went from from an apprentice to a journeyman to to a supervisor and then. And then, you know, when I went on to be a be a command master chief, I just kind of changed my message again to uh, to fit that. Hey, now I'm talking to chiefs. I'm not just talking to uh, to junior sailors anymore.
1: Yes, I think that that is such an important transition. I remember, like you alluded to, going to my first duty station at Rota, Spain, and even before that, when I was doing my training before I got there, what they taught you at the Naval Academy and the reality of what was happening out in the real world, were two very different things. The way that people showed up was different. The way that you interacted with officers and enlisted was different than what they taught you. And if it wasn't for the senior enlisted and guides that I had, I would have fallen flat on my face when I got there. Because I honestly was only partially prepared for what I was facing. And the leadership challenges in the real world that were Grown upon me at such a young age. And what I learned is that you had to put so much trust in those young men and women that you were leading because you only knew a fraction of what you needed to know, and you had to count on them to get the mission done. And what I learned early on was that if you didn't have that trust in those around you, you weren't going to succeed. And I think that's exactly the same thing that you alluded to. In this segment before,
0: you know you gotta you gotta be an agent for change, and, and it's tough. Uh, I don't care whether you're a sailor, whether you work at uh, IBM, whether you work at Apple. Uh, uh, regardless of what your profession is, you, you have to be an agent for change if you're going to be successful because things are gonna change. And, and you know what I used to tell people in the military: look, if you're if we're not changing and we're not getting better each and every day, then I'll tell you what—that's how you lose wars. Uh, you know the same thing with you're working at a competitive company such as Passion Struck or. Or you know GE or whatever. If you're not if you're not willing to change and look toward the future, well then guess what? Technology industry, everything else is going to pass you by. And human nature tells us that we don't want to change. We're kind of content with uh, with what we with what we have and what we can see see today. But in reality, if you if you want to be successful, and you you know not only do you got to have a personal drive to get out there and just roll up your sleeves and get after it, but you got to take pause and say, hey, you know what? I've I've got to be an agent for change. I've just got to accept it, and I just got to got to got to use it to my, to
1: my benefit. I have this saying, and it's something I am going to talk about in an upcoming podcast about becoming a visionary arsonist in your own life. And I want to give you an example of this. When I was at Lowe's, we had 300 plus programs. So These are multi million dollar initiatives going on at any one time. And across them, some were on time, some were over time, but generally they were having a number of changes to scope, changes to timelines, etc. And what would happen is the team would be working very hard and you'd come to your weekly or not weekly but monthly or six week check-in with the executive steering committee and all of a sudden this meeting would drop an visionary arsonist bomb on that initiative. They would set they would change the timeline, they would change the scope, something would happen in the marketplace and they'd want to add this widget to it, or they would want to shift it in this direction. And all of a sudden, when there seemed to be three or four months left in a project, it would get extended to eight months. And this would happen again and again and again. And it got so bad because we were doing these waterfall methods of delivery that I think we lost track of how often we were being visionary arsonists on those projects. And the same thing can happen in your own life. How many times do we undertake personal initiatives only to undermine them ourselves? We are, in fact, our own visionary arsonists. We let people, activities, beliefs, influences get in the way of us staying on our passion or momentum journeys. And Tuck, with you having such a long career, I can imagine there were times that you could have been an arsonist in your own Passion journey as well and I wanted to see if you could give the listeners some advice on how they can avoid this and theirs
0: yeah absolutely John I remember you know some of the some of the big organizations you know because you' will, you'll sit there and you have you know in the military we change out leadership every two to three years. Uh, you know, so you'll have uh, you'll have the CO or the Admiral of whatever organization or myself as a command master chief or force mass chief. I may come in here with this vision right here and say, hey, look, let's head this direction here. And then then all of a sudden if I get tagged to go do somewhere else and somebody else comes in behind me, sometimes that 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 will not that vision will not ever come to come to fruition. Uh so any any leadership position that I that I ever ever took over from a CMC on, uh I tried to I tried to be really, really kind of small. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit of an old school. I know everybody's got this phone, phone calendars, and all this other stuff, but I still had that old desk calendar. You know, that big one you put on there that's got the individual days. Well, on the back of the uh, the cardboard on there, anytime that I ever took on took over a command, uh, after assessing things for about you know, 90 to 95 days, because you don't want to come in there and just all of a sudden, you know, influence a lot of turbulence without looking at stuff. But I would write down uh, probably about two to three things that I wanted to get after while I was there. Uh, And I wouldn't add anything else to that list until we got them them things done. Because like I said, you can all of a sudden, you can have a list of, you know, 15 or 20 things and then you know you're working on all of them and then all of a sudden you're walking down the gangway and you're leaving you didn't really get anything accomplished that tour so that's kind of that's kind of how i simplified it for me that i was able from a leadership aspect to kind of get after and prioritize what i wanted to get done in a short amount of time without introducing chaos to you to your whole crew
1: did you know that forbes magazine recently cited that 70 percent of individuals who do personal development masterminds and one-on-one coaching benefited from better work performance, increased communication skills, and overall better relationships. And we at PassionStruck are obsessed with self-development, coaching, and mentorship. That is why we've created a free resource to help you unlock your hidden potential. Because people doing great things in business and life are just like you, only they've had a coach along the way. And we've got that covered too. Let us show you the systems and frameworks that we teach growth-minded individuals to help them step into their sharp edges, execute on their passion journeys, and get predictable results time and time again. Go to passionstruck.com slash coaching right now, and let's get igniting. Your point on prioritization is so on point. In fact, it's the number two step in our Passion Struck personal agility process. After you analyze where you're currently at and where you want to go, the next most important thing you can do is prioritize, because if you don't prioritize those actions, you are going to start focusing on things that are not important to accomplishing your journey. And I think this all starts with the need to continue to focus on the main thing. And I happen to hear one of my favorite pastors preach this sermon Many, many years ago, and it has always stuck with me that the main thing about the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. And that is what priority is all about. So, when you apply that to the military, when you start guiding troops and you start changing the direction that they're going continuously, you create huge disruption. You create massive confusion and a lack of clarity to where. They need to go in the hill they need to take.
0: That's it, John. I mean, you know, it's important for a leader to have to have a vision and it's important for uh, uh, the troops for to, for that leader to be able to convey that vision down to the troops and be able to understand what that vision is. Uh, and you know, again, to me, I tried to simplify it. I seen, you know, I've seen several folks. Whether you pull up a company's visionary statement or whatnot, that it, you know, it could be a page or two pages or anything. And you know, I'm like you. Hey, let's keep the main thing the main thing. I I really tried to focus uh, on on three things. Uh, from, a, from a visionary perspective, when I was talking to, you know, you know chiefs, uh, whether I was giving the speeches and khaki balls or what I was doing, it, it was just it was really just three things, because if if you overload people, they're going to walk out of there not really knowing exactly what you want them to get after. So, you know, my three things was was one, be ready. You don't know when Murphy's going to cross your quarterdeck. Uh, for the folks who don't know Murphy, Murphy's laws, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. Uh, so, you know, if you're if you're getting underway from a sailor perspective, then, hey, what do we do if we have a fire? What if we do if we have flooding? What do we do if we have inbound missiles? What do we do? Try to outthink whatever bad situation that you can do and ensure that your crew is train, trained, trained as be possible. Now, I remember the first time that I heard that it was it was George Bush right after we had been attacked. On 9 11, uh, and he directed the military to to be ready. And what I took out of that was it wasn't a matter of if we was going to get after uh, the terrorists, it, it, it was when. So I automatically took that took that quote "be ready" and I put it uh, put it at the top of my list. The second thing that I said from a leadership perspective is is, is by God you own it. Uh, you 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 own every bit of it. Any time that you or your team fails, then you stand up to whoever you are responsible to and and you tell your bosses, hey, you know what? That's on me. That's on me. I didn't have my team ready. I didn't have my sailors ready. I didn't have this. You know what? I'm going to go back to drawing board. But that is wholeheartedly on Tuck Williams. that That has got me. Any bit of success that we ever got down as an organization, then you know what? You deflect that right back to the trips. Troops, but you know, you leave that to the sailors and the troops. Hey, that's all their work. That's all their stuff, right there. Uh, but regardless of whatever went on in your sphere of influence, you you had to own it. And the third thing that I uh, that that I really uh, adopted uh, that I think that is very very important, regardless of what career aspect that you do, is to treat everybody with dignity and respect. It costs nothing, nothing to be kind to everyone, and I promise you that if you just go through life treating everybody with dignity and respect and taking the high road because it's a lot less traveled, uh, that not only will you be a lot more happier, but but you and the folks around you are going to be a lot more
1: successful. But those are just awesome points. You know, over the weekend, I went on a bike ride with a good friend of mine. He happens to be a West Point grad and a Delta Force former member, but as we were on this ride, he talked to me about how he lives his life by the power of three. And he started going into, you know, that he was in three different careers thus far, the military, then he was the founder of Thompson, then, you know, what he's doing now, which is a uh, venture capitalist. He's had three kids, he said he's had three, you know, loves in his life, etc. But he lives by the role of the power of three. So those three are great Examples to bring forward. Be ready, be kind, and be accountable. And I think all our listeners can really learn something from that from being ready, being kind, and being accountable. Because each of those are things that we can take action on in our own life. We can choose to be kind. We can choose to be ready and show up. And we can choose to be accountable for whatever actions that we take. And so those three things actually. Relate well to the book that I wrote, Passion Struck. Because as I have studied hundreds and hundreds of leaders, I keep seeing the same actions and mindsets coming back and back and back again and again and again. And as I think about those great leaders out there, you must have met some great ones while you were in the military. So I wanted to ask you what were some of the characteristics that you found? When you examine these great leaders,
0: uh, first and foremost, they was authentic. Uh, you could tell that hey, whatever 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 they said, they meant, uh, and and they was one hundred percent genuine. Uh, most of them uh, had a character trait to where they were servant leaders. Uh, where I mean, what I mean by that is that they genuinely cared more about their people than they did about themselves, uh, and it resonated with their daily actions. Uh, they was they was hard but fair. Uh, and then they had an approachable aspect to it, where they had they could be hard but fair. Uh, but everybody who come into contact with them, if they had a problem, felt comfortable about bringing that problem to them. Uh, so that's kind of the, the the few things that I that I kind of took away with a with with, with a bunch of or, you know people that said, that, "Hey, look, you know what? That that's the type of person that I that I want to be. I want to be genuine. Uh, I want to care about people because I do." Uh, and I just uh, just want to make sure that I put, you know, others needs in front of my own and if I do that, guess what, everything else is going to take care of itself.
1: Yeah, that is a great point. And hopefully I can give an analogy here. When I was at Lowe's, I got to do hundreds and hundreds of store visits. And so after a while, you can walk into a store, and I don't care if it's a Lowe's, a Home Depot, Best Buy, Walmart, doesn't matter what it is, and within 4 or 5 minutes I can recognize a well-run store. a poorly run store. And it all starts with leadership and the way that that store is being run and the guidance that's coming from the leaders that are above that store and how they are checking in to make sure that that store is keeping the main thing, which is supporting their customers, the main thing. And as you and I were out there doing our direct support missions, you know, we were having to do the same thing. When we joined the crew of a new ship, sub aircraft, seal team, Green Beret unit, didn't matter what, we had to immediately show up because you only had 24 to 48 hours to make an initial opinion. And that initial opinion was going to carry forward the rest of the time that you were with them. So it was vital, as you and I both know, how important that first impression was that you made when you joined that unit. And so Tuck, I wanted to ask you, because you've been on a lot more of these ships than I have, was the same thing i talked about with lowe's true with you when you would go on a ship or come to a new unit
0: absolutely i can generally tell now when i walk across the quarterdeck and probably within the first 30 minutes walking around a, a a ship or a command uh i could get the feel for the environment and realize whether or not hey we get we got some problems here or whether or not you know what hey leadership's doing a great job uh around around here too uh i'll i'll, I'll give you a for instance because you brought you brought them up here uh, i I love Lowe's. I've been to a lot of Lowe's stores, uh, you know, love home Depot too. We, we frequent them, frequent them both. I recently went to a, uh, to a Lowe's store. That's pretty close to, to my house and, uh, trying to find somebody to ask them a question. It seemed like they was running from you down the, down the passageways. And then i kind of, you know, I'm like, Oh man, boy, this Lowe's, this is kind of leadership's kind of fell off here a little bit than what it used to be, you know, a few years ago. And then on the flip side, I went to another town over, went to a home Depot, You couldn't even make it through the front door by somebody, you know, you know, still saying, Hey, look, is there anything we could do for you? Can we help you out? I'm like, Wow, this store's changed too, because this used to not be like this either. You know, this used to be here. So leadership definitely definitely uh definitely makes a difference in any business uh any business that you're in and the way that the people underneath you interact with uh with whatever your customer is then then people can readily tell whether or not you know hey that store that business that command uh, whether or not they've got it kicking on all cylinders or whether or not oh we got some issues here we need to we need to kind of do a little bit of digging deeper here
1: so i wanted to ask you if you could go back to your young self when you were early on in your career, what advice would you give yourself about getting rid of some of the toxins that you now find are out there?
0: I, I'll tell you, you, you got to be careful about, about, about toxic people. I mean, I, I I try to take toxic people and turn them into glass the half full people, but there's a lot of folks, John, out there, and I'm sure you know it as well, too. They seem to wake up every morning. They drink, you know, about a half gallon of Haterade and they just go all day long and they just, you know, want to blame everybody and anything on why they can't be successful and stuff. And uh, people, uh, you know, who are continually to, to to make make bad choices and you see they're making bad choices because you can you know, you can you start associating with them people. And, and if they're not willing to change, then guess what happens? Then you start willing to, you start changing and adapting to the, to their philosophies and stuff. So when I ran across toxic people, I would sit there and try to help the toxic people come back and be, be better people. But after once I seen that, hey, these folks are not going not gonna to change, they're not going to change their ways, they're, they're more interested in doing this, this, and this, vice being, you know, trying to get after life and be successful, then I, then I just tried to run with the groups that were highly successful and it really helped me out.
1: I think that that is great. And it's one of the concepts that I talk about in the book. But let me ask you a question because I want to see if you give a correct answer. What do you think is the most dangerous animal on the planet?
0: Well, probably for me, it's a heart attack. I don't like snakes, but I know that's not the most dangerous animal on the planet. Uh, I don't know. Let uh, Let me go with some type of shark.
1: Well, I have to tell you, I answered the same way. I thought it was going to be a lion, a tiger, a jellyfish, a snake. I couldn't believe when I found out that it was actually the benign and pesky mosquito that is the most dangerous animal on the planet. And the reason why is because it kills millions of people each year, because it spreads plagues and diseases, especially in third world countries. And not only does it do it to humans, it spreads, you know, heartworm disease to dogs, it can get into parasites, which then inflict more harm on humans. But these mosquitoes just aren't these pesky animals. They are these toxins that are everywhere around you in your life. And I recently recorded a whole episode on this concept called the mosquito principle and why it is so important for you to do a mosquito audit in your own life. If you want to learn more, I highly encourage you to listen to that episode where I unpack the mosquito principle in full detail. i Chuck. Talk- that brings me to the point where I think you were so right, and there are so many things out there that can cause you to move off your passion journey. How many times have you seen that in your own career?
0: Yeah, a lot of them is called energy thieves. You know, when I was teaching high school, uh, I spent a lot of time. Uh, even if it was a little bit out of the curriculum, talking about social media and talking about who you choose to align yourself with. You know, if you're a high school student and you are aligning yourself with kids who are using drugs or alcohol, uh, then eventually, before long, uh, you're, you're gonna make a bad decision and use alcohol alcohol or drugs. You know, if you're a if you're a person who uh, are aligning yourself with kids who play sports, then eventually, before long, you're gonna probably try to play sports too, regardless whether you're the best athlete or not. Same thing with your, uh, you know, Elect the people decide people who make you know great grades. Well, before too long, guess what? You're going to start putting in the time and effort uh, to make uh, make good grades. Uh, you know that's just you know same thing with you know I, you talk a lot of people who enlist in the United States Navy and most of us come from. Pretty poor, or humble beginnings, uh, and a lot of times, a lot of us come from uh, from areas to where you know what we got to get out of that small rural country town, or or, or we're just going to make some bad decisions and end up either you know dead or in prison. Uh, same thing, you know. I may come from the inner city of Washington D.C. or Chicago. I mean, we come from all all around. And and what I used to tell sailors too was, hey, the Navy this this is your, this is your lottery ticket. You know, this is your Willy Wonka chocolate bar. You got the gold ticket. You know, you need to utilize every program and every opportunity that we have to offer uh, to to be successful and graduate and set yourself up, you and your family for for life. Because if not, and you start bringing what you left behind to the command before too long, you're going to end up back there because they're going to administratively discharge with you. And then you're not you know, confiling to the goals and the, the, you know, the core values of the organization. You're trying to bring what you was leaving behind forward when this is your opportunity to be successful. So, so I'm with you. I think uh, the people you choose to align yourself with can have a, have a direct impact uh, on whether or not uh, you have the opportunity to be, be successful.
1: Okay. So I have a couple fun questions for you. So if you could pick up the phone right now and talk to that 25 year old version of yourself, what advice would you give to them today based on what you know now?
0: Be smart. Uh, pay yourself first. Uh, try to align yourself with folks making uh, making good choices. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, listen to the mentors because uh, they've been there and done that. And uh, most of the time they're there to help you out and be successful.
1: And what was the hardest thing you ever had to do? Let's see here.
0: Probably... Um, well, there is no probably. Probably the worst thing that I've ever had to deal with is, uh, and it still bothers me a little bit today, is that I had a couple of commands uh, uh, that were where I had three sailors commit suicide. Um, and you kind of, you still second guess yourself to this day to where, you know, you go back and you say, hey, look, boy, did I miss something? You know, what if I happen to just, uh, could I just, uh, Went back around, threw my arms around somebody and said, hey, look, here, uh, you know, your Monday morning quarterback yourself to say, hey, did, did, did you miss something? You know, after, you know, what happens and you start getting all the information, you're like, boy, why didn't you get this? So I guess probably the thing that I would tell everybody that if you're in a leadership position, regardless of what's going on in your command, tell everybody that you love them because it's 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 pretty important. And, uh, and yeah, that's the that's probably the toughest thing to, to realize that, you know, somebody's mom and dad – entrusted you with the life of their son and daughter. And and on three instances, uh, I I didn't get it done.
1: I am so sorry to hear that. And you know, this is a topic that keeps coming up. And that is the number of veterans who are either homeless, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 28% of all homeless, or who commit suicide. And I want to be the first person to tell you, because I have had several friends, both veterans and non-veterans who have committed suicide. There are so many different options that you can take. And the most important one to realize is that you may not be thinking it right now, but you have friends and loved ones who are out there who truly care about you. Pick up the phone and give them a call or give the National Hotline a call.
0: Hey, let me take this opportunity on your podcast, John. For anybody who's out there listening, hey, uh, everybody's got issues. Hey, you know, you know, mental health is real. Uh, so uh, let, let me just take this opportunity to implore you. If you've got issues, uh, look for some other way out than that. I promise you it's not worth it. Get help. Tell a family member. Tell a chaplain. Uh, tell, tell, tell somebody and get help, because there's people in this earth that, that love you, and there's nothing, nothing, I promise nothing that you got going on in your life worth that right there.
1: Well, Tuck, thank you very much for that important message. And now that you've spent 25 years in the military, ended up retiring as a Force Master Chief, what is next for Master Chief Tuck Williams?
0: Uh, I am going to tell you, I, I, I'm 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 going to I'm very blessed. I had my first grandson in August of last year. I had my second grandson in October uh, of this year. Uh, so I have elected to. Uh, to fully retire. I draw a decent pension. I've got my health insurance and, uh, I am going to spend time with my two grandsons and not miss, uh, a lot of stuff in their life. Like I ended up missing, uh, in my son's life. So hopefully we can get this, uh, horrendous, uh, disease, uh, behind us and, uh, and, in 2021 to be a better year. And then, uh, I plan on spending, uh, whatever time, I you know, God's got left for Tuck Williams bouncing grandbabies on his knees and having as much influence on them boys before they figure out what trucks and girls are.
1: Well, Tuck, congratulations on that well-earned retirement. And thank you so much in all sincerity with joining me today, taking the gamble to do my very first podcast interview. I, I appreciate you very much, buddy, for doing this and catching up with me and telling our listeners about so many important lessons that I know they're gonna love to apply that you talked about today in today's episode. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, John, I'm proud of you, man. Know that you're doing good stuff out there. And if there's anything that I can do for you uh, you or your family, please don't hesitate to give me a call.
1: Thank you very much, Tuck. I'd be happy to. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey with Passion Struck. And although you're hearing this as episode seven or eight, It was actually the first interview that I recorded. And this has been such a journey and dream in the making. And I was happy to have welcomed my good friend, Tuck Williams, and the positive message that he could share about keeping the main thing the main thing, his leadership advice, how to take toxins out of your life, and so much more. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you listening or watching today. And thank you so much for being part of my passion journey. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Start Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our PassionStruck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us.